G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Coming up today on The Story. Relationships are God-ordained, and that relationship for me with Nicole, what we have now, has opened up capacity and stretched my comfort zones and done all those things that I think good relationships need to do, challenged you. And Aaron personality balanced mine obviously we've both got you know some similar characteristics fire we've both <laughs> we've both got passion and fire and that can lead to some interesting moments but it's never boring in our house the story g'day i'm jimmy colfax welcome to the story well today we're going to get to know a fun couple who love the lord and are both involved in ministry aaron and nick devencentis We'll find out how they met and married, how Aaron feels about being used as a sermon illustration when Nick is preaching, and on a more serious note, they'll share about some severe health challenges Nick has gone through and how their faith has helped them on that journey. All that and more is coming up as Aaron and Nick have a chat with Eric Scatterbo in our Melbourne studios. Aaron and Nick, welcome to the program. Thanks for having us, Eric. Hello, Eric. Real good. Glad to have you here. And we're going to find out how you met and married. But first, let's find out a little bit about both of your backgrounds. Aaron, let's start with you. Yeah. Where were you born and raised? So born and bred in Lilydale, Melbourne, Australia. So big family, five brothers. Italian family. Italian father and British mother, Irish-English mother. So interesting household. And how did you get along with your brothers growing up? Uh, it was a very colourful experience. <laughs> what does that mean? Well, typical sort of three-bedroom house, four-bedroom house, sorry, but three bedrooms for six boys. Wow. So two a room and just a lot of, to use an Australian word, echo. <laughs> action. Oh, yeah. oh act, action. Okay. I was yeah. going to ask. I had yeah. Heard so that lots one. of sport, lots of holes in the walls. I remember my dad. Holes in the walls? How yeah, did that happen? Just wrestling and being. Roughhousing? rambunctious boys. So that was life growing up? That was life growing up, but good family, strong Christian foundation, dad worked hard, mum raised hard, mm-hmm. and it's good. And when did you become a Christian? So I was uh, born and bred into the church, essentially, so my dad being very devout with all of us, with church attendance, and I would say I had a pivotal point in my life around about 12, 13, mm-hmm. where I committed formally to Christ and, and made that my path. Okay, so... Born and raised in a Christian home. Yeah. Now let's turn to you, Nick. Let's find out about your background. Yeah, sure. So I come from a smaller family. I just have one sister, two wonderful parents. Uh, My father was or is Catholic, raised Mm -hmm. Catholic. Mm -hmm. And so that was sort of our upbringing, quite nominal. We went to church on Easter Sunday and Christmas Day. Would you say it was a quieter home than much quieter <laughs> much much quieter i'm quite loud and my mum my mum's not italian my mum's actually she's got german parents uh, and my dad's maltese it comes from maltese italian background 
but a lot quieter. Mm-hmm. And my dad is quite a reserved Italian man, I'd say. I can see a potential conflict coming up, but we'll get to that a yeah, bit later. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes, I'm sure we will. So, yeah, so raised in a great, like, wonderful, wonderful parents, great, loving, supportive. But, yeah, so church and, and God was quite restricted to mm-hmm. just, you know, those days. But then I went to high school uh, and I had a, a friend there who went to church and she mm-hmm. was a Christian and she invited me along to youth group in year eight and I went along and I thought, this is weird. What are they doing? Because my experience of church had been in the Catholic church, so quite formal and, mm-hmm. and not at all like the church that she brought me to. And uh, I didn't particularly like it. It sort of scared me and overwhelmed me. And oh. I, I ran out crying and I said really? to her in the toilets, I'm never coming back here ever again. You were crying. I, I was. I was crying. I think it was God really um, speaking to me and mm. it just overwhelmed me. Mm. And um, I don't think I was ready at that point. And so I left. <laughs> I didn't go back, but God was knocking on my heart for the next few years and I got to year 12 and mm-hmm. um, I realised that as great a life as I had and I was had friends and you know, I was smart, but there was still a hole in my life and I realised that that hole was God missing in my life and so I actually went back to the same youth group in year 12 and I didn't even wait for a salvation call. I just decided uh, during the worship that I needed to give my life to Jesus and so I did. Mm-hmm. And that was that was that, and the rest is history, I guess. And then, did you grow as a Christian after that? I'd like to think I did. I continued to go to church and got—I mean, so I got saved in the youth group, mm-hmm. and quite quickly got involved in the youth ministry and became a leader in the youth. Oh, group. you went from well, not immediately. Obviously, mm-hmm. I spent some time just in church mm-hmm. and getting involved in church, but it was quite quickly. I did dive in quite quickly into. Being involved because I just loved it so much. Mm-hmm. And so Aaron was a youth leader at the time. And um, yeah, that's where we got to know each other, I suppose. Well, let's yep. find out. Aaron, let's yeah. hear your side of the story. So obviously Nicole came along and started being involved in, in the leadership of the youth ministry. I was a leader as well. That doesn't that surprise me that she would come into leadership. No. Based on her personality. Yeah, <laughs> agreed. Agreed. So Nicole and I got to know each other quite organically through youth leadership. Mm-hmm. And our relationship built from there, and we had a couple. Okay, hold, of, hold on. Yep. What, what, what attracted you to her? Um, good question. Probably just her personality. Extraordinarily bubbly, very confident, um, very upbeat, and obviously gorgeous. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> oh, it's nice. too bad this is radio. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So for me, and I was a young fella, you know, twenty-one. Mm-hmm. You know, young. So for me, I hadn't had a lot of relationships previously. I just loved playing sport and going to church and doing that type of stuff as a young fella. So for me, it was all very new. And by that stage, like sort of when we started getting to know each other, I was actually working for the church by then. Um, How did that come about? It came about because my youth pastor at the time, Chris Blacker, so I was a leader and I actually said to him, oh, Chris, I would love to volunteer one day in the office because I just loved youth and I loved being involved. And uh, he actually said, well, not immediately, but he came back and said, let's hire you one day a week. And so actually as like a, as a trial, as mm-hmm. I guess an intern maybe. And so I started one day working with Chris Blacker in the youth ministry and they obviously thought I was not bad because they <laughs> asked me to stay on and, eventually, and it went from one day a week while I was at uni to then eventually I was there full time. Wow. Now... Obviously, you weren't raised in the church, so you didn't know kind of how you act. Or I mean, it was all new to you. <laughs> I still right? don't know how to act. <laughs> yeah. well, let, we'll get to that later. <laughs> but yet, as your husband shared, you had this confidence. Where did that come from? Oh, 
I don't know. Oh, look, I'm a firstborn, so I was the eldest. I've got a younger sister. I think eldest children tend to be maybe a little bit more mm. confident. That's not always the case. My mum was very confident as well. I always did public speaking in mm. high school and mm. was not bad at it. So mm. I was just a type A personality. And it just <laughs> transferred into the church, I suppose. Just taking yeah. the balls by... Uh, taking the ball... <laughs> 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 Taking the ball by the horns? Is that what you're trying Taking to say? Taking the ball by the horns is what we're trying yeah. to say. <laughs> Nicole comes from a very safe, it's a very well-run environment in her household and her parents are very good people and mm-hmm. they're very principle-orientated and mm-hmm. I think that that would have contributed to... A lot n- of self-confidence? A lot of self-confidence and also genetically. Like Nicole is, is very much like that whole Maltese side which is very, very flamboyant and energetic but also has the very cerebral type A personality that is her mother that is very organised and oh. intelligent. So she's that nice little balance. Mm, that's oh, a nice way to put it, wow. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So you become involved in the church? Yes, so I was working at the church and I remember on Mondays I was, I was on reception and Aaron's father runs a cleaning business and Aaron was cleaning the church foyer and he used to come down on a Monday, I remember this, and he used to spend <laughs> a long time cleaning the foyer. <laughs> you, he, it used to take me about... <laughs> It would be like a 20-square-metre space that would take me an hour. <laughs> no, like it's ridiculous. So, you know, I you would... find excuses to I would drag to that oh, out. Oh, oh, so you did this on yeah, purpose. Yeah, I would drag that out because if I dragged it out till 8.30 or something, Nicole would come to work. Oh. And she'd have to walk through the foyer. Yeah, he was strategic. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. I see your strategy there. Yeah, yeah. So that, that was how we kind of fostered the relationship. And... What did you think of this? I mean, besides being very impressed by the shiny floor. Yes, I was very (laughs) impressed by the shiny floor. Look, Aaron, I'd had... um, I'm two years older than Aaron, actually, and I'd had a couple of relationships, one in high school and then another one afterwards, and so they didn't work out. Mm -hmm. And both of those relationships, I knew that there needed to be more of a God influence, particularly Mm -hmm. because I wasn't raised in that. Mm. I didn't have the foundations. And so I remember very clearly that when that relationship previously ended, I remember saying to a good friend, I said, I need to marry someone who's got good foundations, Mm. who's got strong foundations. Mm. I need a man who's been raised in a church in God because I just knew that Mm. I needed that. Mm. And so along comes Aaron. And I thought, hang on, here's this guy and he's really nice and he's been raised in the church and I really liked his parents. And uh, he was... But he is a little slow with the mopping. I was a little slow He's generally. He's a lot slower back then than what he is a now. A lot's changed. Yeah, yeah a lot has okay. changed. Oh, yeah. The confidence well, I, given I, to him by a good woman. Well, <laughs> Eric, true. Because I was watching the carpet grow at that age. <laughs> like, really. You know, and my dad and mum couldn't put a rocket up me because I, I was very much an underachiever. Oh, okay. Yeah. So there's some truth to that. Yeah, absolutely. Relationships are God-ordained. Mm-hmm. And that relationship for me with Nicole, what we have now, has opened up capacity and stretched my comfort zones and done all those things that I think good relationships need to do. Yeah. Challenged yeah. you. Isn't that great how God does that? Yeah. Yeah. He knows what you need. Yeah. Yes. And, and he knows what you need to do. And Aaron personality balanced mine mm. obviously we've both got you know some similar characteristics fire we've both <laughs> we've both got passion and fire and that can lead to some interesting moments but it's never boring in our house okay well we want to maybe get to some of that maybe yeah yeah <laughs> but how did you become a couple then yeah so a lot of 
time spent together yeah. haphazardly throughout mm. those engagements where I was trying to hang around and then obviously we're both serving in church and seeing each other at church yeah. and, and going on camps together camps, and all these type of yeah. things. Yeah. Uh, and then I think one day, typical sort of me, um, quite idealistic at that age as well and, and not in a bad way. I think mm. it was good. Mm. And I yeah. just sort of put my foot out there and said to Nicole, I love you. Yeah, well, hang oh, on. Wait, wait, Have you wait, missed wait, a wait, few wait, steps? Wait, wait. I'm going from mopping to <laughs> I no, love you. What? No, but I, I'm expediting this because it was it was kind of like that though, wasn't well, it? Well, remember because you got you got quite turned off by a little bit when I said that, weren't you? You bit well, shocked. Well, hang on, hang on. Let's just backtrack a well, little let's bit. Just backtrack here. So I invited you to a soup kitchen. Do you remember? Ah, true. I, um, I have got friends who went to a different church and they served at a local soup kitchen. Ah, yeah. And I invited Aaron along. True. What a great first date to you know oh, volunteer. Oh, serving a soup. others, beautiful. Yeah, and so. So I think I actually made the first move in inviting Croydon. him. Yeah, it was Croydon at the church near the station there. And when he came along and said yes, I sort of realised. Okay, no, wait, 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 wait. Were you starting to have feelings for him at that point? Oh yeah, this was me and my friend, you know, concocting an idea about like, okay, well, how can we, how can we move this along? Did you know he was interested in you? I suspected that the floor didn't take that long <laughs> on a Monday, and and it wasn't just the Monday morning. He would sort of come back throughout the day. So I did have the idea. Okay. I think he likes me. I was working about three hours a day at that stage. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, so we started to um, we started to do things a bit more, you know, as you mm-hmm, do when mm-hmm. we're, we're courting. But I realised at that moment that he did fancy me. Okay. And so then it sort of got to a point, thinking back to the "I love you" moment, where we started talking about the fact that we liked each other, and he blurted out quite quickly, "He loves me," and I was a bit taken back by that. But, you know, yeah, that's what I'm referencing. Yeah, to, that oh, yeah, okay. that yeah. Moment. So okay. I was a bit vague, but yeah. So we hadn't actually started going out at that point. Oh, really? No. Oh, he just went right to. Yeah. I love you. He did. Yeah. I wasn't tapping into a great wealth of experience here. <laughs> I was. I was trying to feel it out as I went along, you know. And I remember when we just to make a quick point here, when we did our um, pre-marriage counselling, you had to fill out a, a survey, and it gave you an indication of what your, not personality type was, but what your mindset was going mm-hmm. into this marriage per se. And mine came back outrageously high on the idealistic <laughs> scale. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, there is a saying that women are shoppers and men are buyers. <laughs> I think yes. you said, yep, I'll take one of those. <laughs> yeah, I'll take one. <laughs> and one will do. <laughs> so, yeah, there you go. You're listening to The Story. Today, Eric Scadabo is chatting with Aaron and Nick DeVincentis, who are sharing their story as a couple. We just heard their backgrounds of how they met. Next, we'll hear more of their story and a little bit of Nick using Aaron as an illustration in a sermon. All that and more when we return. The Story. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax and this is The Story. We're continuing with Eric Scadabo chatting with Aaron and Nick DeVincentis, who were sharing their story as a couple. Before the break, we heard about the beginning of their relationship. Now, we'll hear more of their story, including some of the challenges they faced in the early years of marriage. We dated for 
two and a bit years, and then we got married. I was at the age of 24. You were... 26. 26, and this was in 2011. Well done. Well done, sweetheart. Oh, Eric. Wow. Eric. Wow. That was impressive. <laughs> yeah. If you, if you know me, that was good. He's I'm not a dates man. No, he's not oh, well, well yeah. very good. Thank you. So the early years of marriage, I think that's what Eric's trying to get at. And we do want to get to the sermon illustrations. Okay. Where, where you use sure. Your, sure. Your... Yeah, so at this point, I, um, I, I'm I speaking a bit in church, and what greater content is there than your own husband, really? And let me, let me just say, for full disclosure here, that this is the church that I attend. So I've heard you, yes, you have. over the years, and I've heard these sermon illustrations where poor Aaron is <laughs> being used as an example, but you've, you've given permission for all these. Is that yeah, right? and Nicole is good enough to talk to me about her sermon content before she delivers so it. So you're not just sitting there, what? No, I clear what? it. What? Make no mistake, I, I have censored. I have censored oh, sermons have. in yeah. the past. So yeah. I haven't heard that. all of because them. Because to be honest with you, I'm actually... A bit more private than Nicole. Yes. Oh, okay. um, whatever you want to know, I'll tell you. But I'm also well aware that it's really important to be real. Mm-hmm. Yes. So well, that, that is balance. one thing I will say, and it is so refreshing. Mm. You're being very, very real. Yes. Hey, hey, let's just get to a very, very real example okay, of you sure. sharing about yourselves, your relationship, and a bit about Aaron. I can't wait to hear this. Aaron and I run a life group together on a Wednesday night at our house, and we had the first one for the year a few about a month ago. And we had everyone over for dinner, which we've done a few times and we really like doing that. And we had hamburgers. I made hamburgers myself, made them from scratch. And I said to Aaron, after he got out of his tracksuit pants and before everyone came over, I said, Aaron, it would be really nice tonight if while everyone was eating, you complimented me on the hamburgers and told everyone (laughs) how delicious you think they are. Now, Aaron hadn't tasted the hamburgers, so he had no idea what they were going to be like, but I said to him, you tell everyone they're good regardless. <laughs> and, <laughs> and obviously that's really embarrassing and that's really pathetic and I'm quite well aware of this, but that's the real me. And I asked Aaron to do really stupid things like that. And Aaron actually said, yeah, all right, I'll do that. <laughs> he probably wasn't listening, but anyway, I thought, great. We're going to have a really good night and everyone's going to come to Life Group and they're going to be really excited that we're the leaders and they're going to think we're such a great, encouraging, loving, supportive couple that always compliments each other. (laughs) Anyway, we're sitting at the table eating and most people have finished and a few people have said, oh, Nicole, these hamburgers are really nice. And I'm like, thanks, thanks. But Aaron hadn't said anything yet and we were sitting at opposite ends of the table so I couldn't nudge him or kick him like I normally would to remind him. So I thought, oh, I better just say something. So I said, Aaron, sweetheart, you've cooked these burgers so lovely because he cooked them on the barbecue, thinking that'll trigger him to say, yes, but darling, the only reason I cooked them so well is because you made them so well. Mmm, they're delicious. They're the best I've ever had. But he didn't say that. He just said, yeah, thanks, and kept, kept talking to whoever he was talking to. So that didn't really go according to plan, Um, and I was a bit annoyed, but we had a little talk about it after everyone left, (laughs) and and I realised that I was asking Aaron to be fake, and to present an image that wasn't real. Oh, that's funny. I remember that. Do you remember that? that? I do remember that. Do you remember that, Aaron? I do. Mm. Yeah, I remember that. And and that that was a common occurrence a couple of times (laughs) where there was was what I would call leading the witness before people would arrive because that was a confidence booster. But 
it was all for a purpose. I mean, you use this as a sermon illustration. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember what your point was? My point was that we need to just be real, I think, and Amen. <laughs> and not not force our spouses to give compliments <laughs> when they're not really coming naturally, I suppose. Yeah. So actually, early on with the cooking side of things, because I'm a bit of a high achiever. I don't like doing a half-hearted job at things. I like doing things well. Mm -hmm. Even Even hamburgers, hamburgers, you can do them well. Mm -hmm. And so I remember early on when we got married, uh, I said to Aaron, I want you to be honest. I said to him, I want you to be honest. When I cook something you don't like, tell me, because I don't want to cook it again Mm -hmm. if you don't like it. At that stage, I should have recorded that (laughs) and had that on a little press button that I could play back to her. What you said. Yeah. (laughs) Because there have been times where he said, well, I don't like this and it's not gone down too well. But, you know, that's... So, in all seriousness, this was not the the biggest conflict that one could have. No, this was not the biggest conflict that we've we've had. But you have used these real-life moments to share, to be, you know, real about... uh, Biblical truths and things. Well, I think everyone, I assume a lot of people go through similar situations. And oh, so yeah. it's, oh, yeah. it's good to talk about it, number one, to help people know that they're not alone, yeah. uh, but also to, to bring it out into the open. And I'm very much, I like to talk about things. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. Jesus says, I'm the light. So bringing things into the light is a really good way to move forward and to work out how to deal with things in the future. Isn't yeah. It? And, and I think we worked out pretty fast that... If you do meet a couple and they say they don't argue, <laughs> that doesn't mean there's not a problem. Yeah, yeah. That just means that something isn't being said. Exactly. And I'm sure that there are varying degrees of that in every relationship. Mm-hmm. But we worked out pretty quickly that we are us. Mm-hmm. We are unique. Mm-hmm. Our relationship isn't to be compared to anyone else. But at the same time, we were doing a, a marriage course uh, video series, and I forget the name of it. And I remember, Oh, Love and Respect. Love yeah, and Respect. And yeah. Dr. Emerson, was it? Something like that. And he made this great point, which was every time you have, I'll use the word robust discussion. (laughs) (laughs) You know what that's code for. (laughs) You're you're building credit in the bank Mm -hmm. with regards to growth, Mm -hmm. you know, per se. And that's me paraphrasing it. But that's essentially the way I interpret it. Every time you are not being honest about something. And and Mm -hmm. a lot of the time, let's, let's be fair, they're first world problems. Mm. Oh, Oh, yeah. They're silly things. You You don't argue about what house to buy, right? Oh, we don't. We argue about the dustbin, or we would argue about the toilet, or we'd argue about the dog, or something or the like that. Seat, you know, yeah, or the toilet seat, yeah, toilet seat, yeah, yeah. And and a lot of that came about to sort of give you some context. Was it? I was brought up in an all male household, yeah. except for my mother. I had five brothers. Yeah, it was chaos. Know? And Nicole, as a comparison, was really brought up in in quite a female household, except for her father. Very orderly. And mm. so this was a culture clash waiting yeah, to happen. Yeah, and we, we never lived together previously. So, obviously, you know, it wasn't until we were married that we moved in together. And mm-hmm. so that was a learning curve, bell curve, you know, for yeah. us. And Just that, being in the same house together. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah mm-hmm. And that produced a lot of content for Nicole. And, <laughs> and, 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 and I got to hear it. Yeah. And, and, oh, and, everyone benefited. And, and we were learning. Yeah. We were learning. Like, you know, you don't do a course per se. You're going into this thing and you're in the deep end. And so mm. we had a lot of these these moments and these interactions. And Nicole ended up threading them through a lot of her sermons. And mm. that's how we got to where we are. Yeah, But I think going back to your point, you are going to have conflicts. Of course you are. It's about how you deal with those conflicts and how you resolve them. You have to become good conflict resolvers to have a healthy marriage. A hundred percent. Because if somebody says, oh, we we have no conflicts in our marriage, uh, that's not realistic. You're going to have conflicts if you're really wanting to have a good close relationship. 
but how do you resolve those conflicts? And I think for us, expectation has been a big thing in that sometimes I will assume that Aaron knows he should be doing this. <laughs> and of course, men can't read minds, can they? Yes, yes, yes that is a big mistake. <laughs> and so I, and I think I've realised that, and I think what works from both sides as well, is that we can't assume the other person knows what we mm. want, when yep. we want it, how we want it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yep, that, and, that is very And that's, a, that's been a really big thing for us, is to communicate our expectations rather than assume the other person knows them. Mm-hmm. Now, have we answered the question... Aaron, how do you feel about being used as a sermon illustration from time to time? It is what it is, you know, and I'm and I'm happy to be part of that. I do feel privileged to a degree to be part of it sometimes. As I said, I do check it. Before <laughs> right, it right. so you do have the right of refusal. Yeah, of course I do. Yep. Yeah, and she's very f- respectful like that, you know, and she knows where my boundaries are with regards to mm-hmm. how much privacy I want and how much privacy I'm mm-hmm. willing to forego for the sake of the sermon illustration. In fact, sometimes we'll be talking about something and he'll actually stop mid-sentence and he goes, now just... I don't want you to use this in a sermon. <laughs> I've had to start but Before, that before through, I even yeah. have an idea about it, he actually says to he, he me. He knows you. <laughs> now, we're talking about something. He goes, now, you're not going to use this in a sermon, okay? And so I know. I know that there are some things that are off limits, and that's fair enough. Well, unfortunately, we've already run out of time oh, for this first think. time chatting with you. But will you come back again next time so we can hear more of your story? We would love to, Eric. Pleasure. Well, that was part one of Eric Scadabo chatting with Aaron and Nick DeVincentis. And it was great to hear the beginning of their story as a couple. I especially liked hearing the sermon illustration that Nick shared about the hamburgers. And I'm happy to say that we've collected some of the best bits from Nick's sermons when she shares about real-life situations with Aaron. And we're going to share these with you next time. So you'll not want to miss that. And yes, Aaron has given us permission to share these. Well, before we end today, I just want to say how refreshing it is to hear a couple share so openly and authentically about their lives and some light-hearted struggles they've faced. As Nick said, bringing these things into the light is a really good way to move forward. As Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Well, until next time, when we'll hear some of Nick's sermon illustrations and learn more about this fun couple, I'm Jimmy Colfax encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. I asked Aaron one night last week to list all of my weaknesses for me. And it took him maybe, I don't know, one and a half seconds to come up with this list. Number one, impatient. Yes. Number two, control freak. Unfortunately, yes. Number three, easily distracted. I refuted that one. I said, why do you think I'm easily distracted? He says, because you don't like to sew. I said, I don't like to sew because I'm impatient, not because I'm easily distracted. So he agreed and that one was wiped from the list. Nick DeVincentis is a youth pastor at Life Ministry Centre on the east side of Melbourne. Her husband, Aaron, is on the worship team and often provides real-life illustrations for Nick's sermons. We'll get to know more about this fun couple next time. The Story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life.